So here we go. We're in the book of Genesis today. And this morning, I'm going to preach to you on this subject. In the beginning, God. Praise God. And would you please lift your voices with me? And let's just begin to worship the Lord, hallelujah, who is great and greatly to be praised. Thank you, Jesus. I would like to have all the shades shut, please. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Close those blinds. Thank you. Hallelujah. God, I give you praise. No, the other one, please. Thank you. Hallelujah. There. We're just getting there. Just where God wants us to be. So here we are. God bless you. You may be seated. This morning I'm preaching in the uh, month of January 2022. Something that needs to be preached perhaps at the beginning of each year. I'm going to preach about the first four words that's in the Bible. The first four words of the first chapter of the Bible. And I want to present to you a philosophy of life that we know we should be doing, but we forget to do. And when we forget to do, we pay a miserable price for it. So I'm going to share with you that there's a philosophy that if you'll follow, 2022 will be better, mucho better, than 2021. And really, uh, we can even boil it down to just two words that will make the difference in your life. Two words that I want you never to forget. It's a Bible philosophy of life. It's not complex. It's not hard to learn. It's easy to remember. It's just two words, and I will share with you in just a moment what those are. And I love it because it's so simple and easy. And yet, it will launch anyone who will follow it into an area of victory in 2022 like you have never had before. It was uh, Winston Churchill that said, in critical and baffling situations, it is always best to recur to first principles and simple action. It's always best to go back to first principles and simple action. And so there is this incredible profoundness in simplicity. You know, some people would be much better off if they weren't always trying to analyze everything and always trying to read between the lines and always trying to make it more difficult than what God intended it to be. God has a very simple plan for us, and, and if we'll follow it, it's amazing. Aren't you amazed at what Albert Einstein did with only 10 digits? Isn't it wonderful what Michelangelo did with only three primary colors? And what Ludwig van Beethoven did with just seven notes? It's amazing. The Bible tells us to take heed to the little foxes, the issues that are little, that can make or break us. Sometimes it's a little thing, and yet... It is the most profound thing in our life. Stop and think about this. Isn't it true that history swings on incredibly small hinges? Isn't it something that sometimes uh, things that seem like 
small little deals actually became the doorway that you had an incredible blessing or you received something wonderful. Anyone here remember a guy by the name of Gary Kildall? Gary Kildall. Does anybody here remember the guy? I thought there might be some computer nerds that might remember him. In 1973, Gary Kildall wrote the first popular operating system for personal computers named CP-M. Well, IBM approached Kildall with the opportunity of a lifetime in 1980. And they said that they wanted him to develop the operating system for IBM PCs. But Kildall snubbed the IBM officials at a crucial meeting. The next day when IBM came calling, Gary Kildall chose to fly his new airplane instead. And frustrated the IBM executives, instead they turned to a relatively unknown man by the name of Bill Gates, founder of a small software company called Microsoft. And his operating system was called MS-DOS. Gary Kildall had a net worth of between one and five million when he died July 11, 1994, at the age of 52. Just thinking about it, yesterday I just thought, I'm going to find out. So I researched and on, uh, you know, the uh, Google. Google knows everything. So I researched Bill Gates' net worth as of yesterday, January 15, and Google said his net worth is 134.5 billion with a B. Now, I've explained this before, but there's some folks who haven't heard me say this, and I think it'll always help to remind the rest of us. It's difficult to comprehend the difference between a billion and a million. So I, I came across this kind of funny illustration that makes people understand the difference between one million and one billion. So let's just put it this way. A man gave his wife one million dollars and he told her to go out and spend one thousand dollars a day. And she did. Three years later, she returned to tell him that the money was all gone and she wanted more. Took her three years spending $1,000 a day. So this man, being incredibly wealthy, gave her $1 billion with a B. He told her to go out and spend $1,000 a day and she didn't come back for 3,000 years. I think sometimes when we hear about billionaires, we don't realize what we're really saying. It's incredible. Incredible. So, there you have a man who decided not to take advantage of an appointment on a single day and missed out on an incredible fortune. You know, when we look at the Word of God, we often talk here in our church about this wonderful verse of Scripture, 
Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But I want you to notice that Acts 2.38 is the consolidation of volumes of truth brought down through the ages to three simple steps on man's part to experience the biblical new birth. Now, I know that you hear people talking about being born again, and there's all kinds of definitions for it, but there's only one Bible definition. The Bible says you must be born of water and spirit. When you're born again, it consists of water and spirit, and Acts 2.38 breaks it down to three simple little things that have come down through the Scripture. Praise God. When we read in the Word of God, we read 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 27, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And so I bring to you something that's simple because God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. But it's a profound formula of success that is so simple that many a sinner passes by it because it is so simple. So simple that even believers sometimes overlook or discount it. Understanding this life-giving formula that I'm going to share with you in just a moment from a proper perspective and understanding the Scripture will change your life forever. Praise God. Are you with me this morning? Amen. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, the Word of God says this, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So notice what the man of God says. Don't let this book depart out of your mouth, because if you will do what it says, then you shall make your way prosperous, and you shall have good success. This formula is as old as time, yet it is obscure today to so many. It's amazing that this Bible recipe that I'm going to tell you in just a moment for success could be so hidden to so many. Yet, from the very first four words of the first verse of the first chapter of the first book of the Bible comes the success formula for all ages. It's revealed again in the New Testament and comes front and center in the teaching of Jesus. When Jesus was asked by someone who was very scholarly, asked to tell what was the greatest of the commandments given to the, in the Old Testament, he did not recite the entire list of commandments in the Old Testament, nor did he hesitate. He quickly boiled it down to the simplest thing and the most elementary thing. And here we have it, Jesus speaking. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. He said, this is the first 
and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He said on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. He boiled it down to something that was very simple. Praise God. After 4,000 years, man had gotten off track. And Jesus brings us back to the starting block, back to the basic yet incredibly important truth. He says, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Don't just love him. Love him with all your heart, soul, and mind. And he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus brought everything down to the simplest compound. He says in Matthew 6, 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I can't tell you how important this verse of Scripture is. Do you know how many people right now are trying to obtain, trying to reach, trying to get things that they need, but they're not following the biblical secret of success, which is just two words. If they would follow this one simple biblical success story, success, example, quotient, answer, whatever you want to call it, Two words would change their lives. You cannot, you cannot appreciate the Bible until you learn that the Bible is so much, it's not so much a book of do's and a book of don'ts, but it's more a book of first and seconds. When you understand that, you're on your way to becoming what God wants you to be. And when you get your first things in first place and your second things in second place, the do's and the don'ts will take care of themselves. You have to get the first thing in first place, the second thing in second place. There will be more people lost because of not understanding this than perhaps any other principle in the Bible. first four words of the Bible say, in the beginning, God. There can be no proper understanding of life and its meaning until we embrace this primary truth. In the beginning, God. God cannot be our omega if he is not our alpha. You can't expect him to be there for you at the end of life if you didn't have him there to welcome you into the new birth. He has to be alpha beginning and then he will be the ending. This life-changing formula for success is so simple yet so profound. 
It will literally transform the rest of your 2022, the moment you begin to apply it. It's the answer to somebody's problem that's watching online right now. It's the answer to somebody's problem that's listening in this building today. It's the resolution to a dilemma that you're facing. It's your peace in the midst of your storm. It is the key that will unlock the treasure chest of of great success like you've never had before. Yet so simple, you will memorize it in a moment and retain it for a lifetime. It's hidden in the first four words of the first verse of the first chapter of the first book of the Bible. The two words that many of you know already because I've been your pastor now for 40 years. The two years that I will speak that have power to change your life. These two words can absolutely guarantee success in all that you do. And it's so simple that some of you are going to scoff and say, really? But those two words are now on the screen behind me. God first. There will be more people lost because they didn't learn this than anything else. God first. God first. God first. It is so important. If you choose today to make these two words the guiding light of your life, it will absolutely bring you to a level in Christ that you've never had before. They're simple but the challenge is great. And let me tell you something. Everything's going to compete with these two words. Your biggest fight is going to be, will you do this? God first. There are so many things that challenge that. And so we have to really get it in our heart and in our mind. And we say, okay, I'm going to put God first. And, and I'm going to talk about some of the areas of our life right now that we need to put God first in. Are you ready? He needs to be first in our thoughts. Psalm 118 and verse 24 said, This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day the Lord has made. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. The Lord's word is telling us how to put God first in our thoughts. Now, everybody needs to understand that the enemy's going to try to beam thoughts into your head. I know people right now that are beating themselves up because a filthy thought came to their mind. And they said, if I was a Christian, that thought would never come to my mind. No, that's not true. Because you are a Christian, that will come to your mind because the devil's going to make sure he puts a thought like that in your head. Your job is to reject it and go on. And not spend the rest of the day saying, oh my God, that was a horrible thought. You can't stop the birds from flying overhead, but you can stop them from making a nest in your hair. So the devil's going to beam thoughts into your head sometimes. Just cast it out. Keep on going. Don't let it stop you. I don't see anybody here with halos. 
marriage seminar speaker, remember, was given a big marriage seminar, and he said, is there anybody here that's been married for 50 years that's never had an argument? No couple raised their hands, and I wouldn't do this. It was the meanest thing in the world. But he brought him up on stage and said, folks, here's two of the biggest liars I've ever met in my life. Now that's crude and rude. And truthful. There's, there's nobody walking around in this earth that is just God incarnate. And you're always going to get everything right and you're always going to think everything you should and but but you're human and because you're human the devil's going to try to beam thoughts you have to ward it off and let jesus christ be first in your thoughts is there any virtue in what you're about to say if there's any praise in what you're thinking about think about that sometimes you can know something that doesn't help anybody you might know something about somebody and you're just dying to tell it. Which makes you a tale-bearer. Well, he did it. So, when did you become the devil's press agent? Well, it, it really happened. Is there any praise in it? Is there any virtue in it? And the King James English would say something like, shut thy mouth. <laughs> the old King James has a certain ring to it, doesn't it? So we have to put Jesus first in our thoughts. The devil's always going to try to control your thoughts. Now, what is one of the ways that the enemy would try to control your thoughts? The eyes are the gateway to your soul. So if the devil can put something pornographic in front of your eyes, if the devil can put something that's lewd in front of your eyes, if the devil can put something that's not very nice in front of your eyes, trust me, he's going to try to do that. Because even if you look like a saint and you're trying to be a saint, he knows you're still human. So you have to be careful what these eyes see. Well, and so he has to be, Jesus has to be first in our thoughts. Praise God. I want to be satisfied with the mercies of God. Oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. You know, some folks come to God, and God gives them his very best, and they're not satisfied. I want to go out and have fun. Here's a shovel. Go shovel some snow. Have some fun. We can have fun and still be Christians, but we need to be let God's Spirit satisfy us. You know, one thing I've noticed, if you get a little drink of uh, your favorite drink, whether it be a soft drink or iced tea or juice, 
when you get a, a little drink of that, you may not be satisfied if you just got one sip and it's a hot day. And the reason some folks are not satisfied is because they received the Holy Ghost and they took a little sip of it and they stopped. Be not drunk with wine where it in is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Do you know it's a good habit to pray in the Spirit every day? Do you know it's healthy to pray in the Spirit every day? And folks who do not, many times, are dissatisfied because they're still thirsty. They had a little drink of something that was really good, and it wasn't enough. Somebody say, praise God. I want to be satisfied with God's mercy. How about you? So I want him first in my thoughts. And then I want God to be first in my conversation. Now, we just have to stop and analyze what we're doing. It's real easy to make the change. It's sometimes we forget. So God first. And so let's make it a habit right now in January 2022 that the first words of our, out of our mouth every morning will be spoken to God. I try to do that every morning. You need to try to do that every morning. When you wake up, good morning, Lord. Thank you for this morning. Thank you that I could wake up. Oh, thank God. I can move my hands. Hallelujah. Move my feet. All right? So in the morning, if you want God first in your life, make him first in your conversation before you talk to your spouse, before you talk on the phone. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I want him first in conversation. How about you? Hallelujah. You see, what happens is the devil wants to control your schedule. And if he can control your schedule, then he can control you. How many of you ever noticed that you, you said, I'm going to pray now, and the phone starts ringing? I'm going to do my Bible reading now, and somebody knocks on the door. I'm going to do, well, I, I'm all done letting somebody else control my schedule. God's got to be first in my conversation. Let's try this one also. I want God to be first in reading. And so I'm going to try, and I'm asking you to try this, that the first thing we read in the morning before we read the paper, before we read our email, that we read from the Bible first. Now, it may not be that that's going to be your main time of Bible reading that day, but it should be first, before breakfast, feed the soul. Before you feed your body, feed your soul. Get a little bit of verse into your soul before you put a little bit of food into your body. I want it to be first in my reading. I want God to be first in my time, too. I need this, and you need it. I want God to be first in time. How many wants that to happen in your life? The Bible says to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under the heaven. 
I want God to be first in my time. Give God the first day of your week. First in time. Give God quality time during the day or evening that belongs to God, that you give to God. I noticed something in my studies of the Word of God that when the children of Israel were sojourning for 40 years in the wilderness, I noticed that every time they set up camp, they always put the tabernacle right smack dab in the middle. And three tribes located on the east and three tribes on the west, three tribes on the north, three tribes on the south, and the tabernacle was the center of their existence. You want to live a successful life. You need to put God in the center of your life, not on the peripheral. You don't let Jesus sleep in a hammock in your boat. And only when the storm comes up, somebody says, where's Jesus? Let Jesus be the center of your life. Fun is fun. And the Bible says that in the last day, men would be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Well, that can't be the way it is in my life. I like to have fun. I have hobbies that I do. I think everybody needs to have something that you enjoy doing. But I am determined that God is first, and he's going to be first in my time. God is not happy to live in the edges or on the edges of our life. Give God quality time first in time. How about this one? God needs to be first in affections. You know what Colossians chapter 3 verse 2 says, Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Look at this. 1 John 2.15 Love not the world. Neither the things are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Look at this, Mark. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Oh, but it gets even stronger. Look what Jesus says in Luke chapter 14, verse 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he what? He cannot be my disciple. Wow. It, it's pretty clear then that, that God has to be first in our affection, so much so that the difference between our love for God and our love for our dearest human family member is comparable to love and hate because you put that much more love into God. My wife and I have an understanding. We've had it for years. We've had it since we first got married. 
that if either one of us for any reason was to determine that we were no longer going to serve the Lord, that the other one would continue serving the Lord. We both decided that Jesus has to be first. And if Jesus is not first, he always destroys idols. And that we took an insurance policy on our marriage because we said we'll put Jesus first. And because we put him first, our marriage will last. And, and it's true. Here we were at the beginning of our marriage. And here's Jesus at the apex. And as we drew closer to Jesus, we also drew closer to each other. And a lot of people don't realize that when you allow your love for your family member or friend or whatever it may be to be greater than your love for God, you have just become an idolater. And what happens to idols? They always get tossed over. The best thing you can do for your children is to love God first and most. The best thing that you can do for your spouse, the best thing you can do for your mother, your father, the best thing you can do for anybody, whoever it may be, is to love God first and love God most. Are you still with me? So Jesus said, we must be willing to put our love for God before everybody. He really means it. He means it. The principle is very clear. It simply is God first. I want God to be first in my finances. Now, this one here, you know, people start get a little nervous when you mention putting God first in their finances, but it's important that we understand something. The Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's amazing how many people have allowed money to become their first love. I would rather be poor and be saved than to be rich and to be lost. I don't think you have to be poor to be saved, but if I had to make that choice, I would rather be poor and be saved than be rich and be lost. Moses said, you know what, I've got all the treasures of Egypt at my disposal, but this stuff only lasts for a season. I'm going to take my way with the people of God. And he went out to become a shepherd of sheep. If your job causes you to backslide, you did not make a good choice. If your job makes you be out of church more than you're in church, there's something not right here. God's got to be first in everything, and that means first in finances too. But what will I do, Pastor? You'll probably get filthy rich. One of the side benefits of God's blessings For if you seek to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. And this includes not only eternity, but the Lord made some serious promises to those who have given up houses and lands in this life and in the life to come. 
It's when we allow things to become more important to us than we allow God to be that God says, well, I'm going to have to take that out of your life because it's become an idol in your life. The young man came to church. He was loving God, serving the Lord, got filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. Oh, he was on fire for God. And uh, immediately he, God gave him a job. He started paying his tithes every week, and he was happy, and life was good. And uh, a year went by, and he said, I need to meet with you, Pastor. You remember the story? And he, the pastor said, well, sure. And so they had their meeting. He said, Pastor, uh, well, I, it's been so wonderful living for God. He said, and, and when I first came to God, he said, God, God gave me a, a wonderful job, and he said, and, 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 and I was paying my $20 a week tithe. He says, but now uh, my tithe is $1,000, and I can't afford to pay tithes anymore. And the old gray-haired pastor who had been pastoring him for 40 years said, let's bow our head and pray. He said, okay, pastor. And the pastor prayed, Oh Lord, reduce this young man's income back to where he can afford to pay his tithes again. And when the young man heard that, he said, Oh no, pastor, no, 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 don't pray that. I would rather that happen to somebody than for you to allow money to be an idol in your life and you can't serve God because of it. Come on, somebody. If God's going to be first in my life, he's got to be first in my finances. And, and, you know, it's an interesting thing. A lot of times before you take a step of faith and put God first in your finances, you wonder, well, how could I ever afford to put God first in my finances? And then once you take that step of faith, you say, this is incredible. God is blessing me beyond what I ever dreamed. Now, I haven't asked anybody to put their hand up. But I'm wondering right now, is there anybody in this room that could lift their hand and say, you know, when I took that step of faith and started putting God first in my finances, my finances have increased greatly. If you don't mind, put your hand up if that is true. I want you to see this testimony. This is an amazing testimony. And it's, it is absolutely truthful. Well, let me show you what the Word of God has to say. Sometimes we, we don't look at this one as much as we ought to, but uh, we, we look at Malachi chapter 3, but look at Proverbs chapter 3 that gives us some insight into this subject. It says in verse 9, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the what? I didn't hear you. First fruits of all thine increase. And so what's the result of that? Look, so shall thy barns be filled with, I can't hear you. And thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Look at the principle of putting God first. See, when you put God first, he absolutely is bound to take care of you. His word says he will do it. So he says, okay, you honor the Lord. Now, if you're going to honor the Lord with your first fruits, boy, this is Sunday morning. Somebody's going, oh boy. 
That means if you don't honor the Lord with your first fruits, you are dishonoring the Lord. Just looking at the good book here. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. If that is honoring the Lord, then what is dishonoring the Lord? It's going, you see these guns? This is how the money gets made in my household. Sir, you are doing something that I would never dare to do. When I get up in the morning, I realize that my ability to get up and stretch and to stand on my two feet is given to me by God. I realize that the air I'm breathing into my lungs, God gave me lungs so I could breathe. I realize that my heart is beating because the Bible says he holds my heart in his hand. You are more daring than anybody I've ever met if you don't think that honoring God with your first fruits is important. And the amazing thing about it is God is just waiting for you to trust him so he can bless you. Now you hear me. We're going to build a new building. I know for a fact that Mr. Bush, that is Anheuser-Busch, is not going to contribute to that. I know that Winston-Salem is not going to contribute to a building. But I know that God's people will, and God knows his people will. So when you open up the door and you put God first in your life, then God is going to bless you. It will be plenty for you, and there will also be plenty to build whatever God wants us to build because it is the principle of life. Honor the Lord with thy substance, with the first fruits, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. I got a question for somebody. I'm trying not to look anybody too carefully in the eye today. I don't want you to think I'm picking on you. Because I'm not. I'm trying to bring you something that will change your life for the good forever. Let me ask you this question. Is God living in the first fruit of your finances? Or is he living in your leftovers? You know, I, I grew up in uh, a good home and I was taught that who you serve first at the dinner table is the, the honored guest. Uh, before there was something placed in my plate, there would be something placed in the honored guest plate. Now I know that's old fashioned, isn't it? But that's what I was taught. I was taught that whoever is Serve first is being shown respect and value above all the others. Let me show you what the Bible says. I'm going to go there right now. Matthew 15, 27. Look what this woman says. Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. 
So when I bring my tithe to the Lord, I'm returning the first 10% of my income. It's a reminder to me to keep God first in my finances and in my life. Now here's what I know about God. He doesn't need my money. You might think, well, if I don't pay my tithes, this church would go under. I got news for you. I appreciate everybody that walks in covenant with God, but God doesn't need our money. God will always be able to replace me. I am not irreplaceable. Now, don't get any ideas. <laughs> but I'm not indispensable. None of us are. But I will tell you this. When I keep God first in my finances, God blesses my finances. Why, the other day, I got a check in the mail. I come walking in, I said, honey, we've been saying checks in the mail. Well, I just got a check in the mail. God takes care of us. See, God doesn't have to have our money, but we have to put God first. And we're living in such a materialistic world right now that people are serving money. And money is, is a wonderful servant, but a horrible master. But when we begin to give to God, if we put God first in our life, God has sworn that he will take care of us, that our presses will be bursting out, and that our barns will be full. I thank God for his word. Matter of fact, you know what the word of God says about the love of money? 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Do you realize sometimes I've seen people who came and said, oh, pastor, I just wanted to tell you, I got this wonderful job offer in Alaska. I'm going to be making $100 an hour on the pipeline. And I say, okay, what church are you? To? Oh, there won't be any church around then don't do it. What? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. And the devil's always trying to supplant God from his position of first place. How many times have we said to you that God makes a good first violin but a horrible second fiddle? And many people are experiencing troubles in their life and they're blaming it on God and the real culprit is between their ears. God has lost his place of first place in their life. There are so many other things that begin to supplant God. For once you start letting things get ahead of God, once you start saying, well, I guess I can miss church for that, but I wouldn't miss my job for that. Well, I guess uh, I won't be able to pray today, but I will be able to go out and, and do my door dashing. Come on now, I'm starting to get into it. I won't be able to make it to the house of God Preacher, because I, I, I've got this and this and this to do. And I'm thinking, oh God, help those people right now. Because at the bottom 
of the most basic of their foundation is it's got to be built on God first. God first. And seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be, not might be, shall be added unto you. God first. God first. God first ahead of my relaxation. God first ahead of anything that I enjoy. God first above my hobbies. God first above all the fun. God first above my spouse. God first above my children. God first above everything. What are you doing? That seems austere. No, it's putting an insurance policy on my life. If I put God first, he's going to bless me with everything that I need. I found that one very old translation says, For the love of God's money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Why would it be so? It confuses God's order. Anything that takes God out of first place puts you in a scary place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I remember this story, and some of you might remember this, but it's a true story. A young man came to his pastor weeping. His pastor is a friend of mine, so he related the story. And my friend feared the worst. The man was weeping profusely, and he, and he was a, a young man. He said, I, Pastor, I cashed a million dollars of securities that I wasn't supposed to cash. Pastor said, Well, did you do this totally on your own authority? And the young man said, I'm the one that did it. Pastor said, well, what I mean is, did your supervisor sign off on this? Did you check with your supervisor? He said, yes, I did. They fired him too. The young man said, I just don't understand why this is happening. I'm living for God. He was just devastated. And so the pastor asked him this question. He said, have you been faithful to God? And the young man looked at him with sincerity. He said, Pastor, I have. So the pastor said, well, God does not take anything away to rob us. He takes away things that are good so he can give us something that's better. You see, this young man, believe it or not, was more concerned about his big building pledge, his missions pledge, and his inability to pay his tithes. That's how much he was into it. And he was losing his college classes, he was use, uh, losing his nice job, and he was losing his car. And that didn't mean so much to him. But my pastor friend said he remained faithful to God. He sat on the front row. He didn't quit and say, well, God failed me. He worked a minimum wage job for uh, a few months. And, and uh, after a couple months, he went back to his pastor. He said, I need to talk to you again. He said, okay. He said, listen, there's a bank that I've always wanted to work at. They've called me to come for an interview, and I, I've always wanted to work for them. It's, it's been a life goal, but I got this black mark against me for the mistake that I made. And, and when they find out, I, I don't think they'll hire me. They're interviewing me for a senior loan officer position. Pastor said, go for the interview. I'm going to be praying. He went for the interview. He was 24 years of age. This was a few years ago. Washington Mutual Bank. In six months, this 24-year-old kid was in the top 5% of the productive loan officers for Washington Mutual. 
In his first year, his accountant told him, you're going to have to go out and buy an expensive home for tax purposes. And this kid was still living at home with his mom and dad. Today, he's one of the best givers in the church. God first revolutionized his life. I am preaching to people that God wants to bring you up from where you are and elevate you if you would be true to God and say, God, you will always be first. If you bless me with one million with an M, I will be faithful to you. If you bless me with one billion with a B, I will be faithful to you. God is ready to bless. The Lord has showed me that just like he blessed the people of Israel when they were about to leave Egypt, God is ready to bless his people. But we need to be able to be trusted. We need to be able to be trusted to put God first in everything that we do and that we would not make money our God, that we would not make material our God. But can we still serve God while God blesses us? Can we still be faithful to the house of God while God blesses us? Can we still be faithful in our giving while God blesses us? Can we still love God first and most when God blesses us? Don't let your blessing become a curse. I've watched it happen. I've watched people that God blessed and, and they couldn't handle the blessing. And after a while, I've seen them no more. You have to make your mind up now. God first. Listen, I'm, I'm going to wrap this up now. It's not just finance. God wants to be first in your talents. We need to put God first in our talents. Who do you showcase your talents for? God gave you a talent. Everybody has at least one. And God gave it to you. You know how I know that? Because the good book says so. In James 1 and 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? Above. And cometh down from who? The Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And the Holy Ghost wants me to say to all of you online and in this building... Put God first in your talents. Put God first in your abilities. Put God first in your skills. Give to God first. Remember, it's God that gave you the skills and the talents that you have so that you could bless the kingdom of God first. You know, when people have talents that God has given them, and they use them begrudgingly for God, that is an embarrassment to God. When people have a talent that God gave them and they bury it and hide it in the ground, that is an embarrassment to God. My talent that God gave me is first of all to be used for God. I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't serve the Lord because I feel like it. I serve the Lord because I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't serve the Lord when the weather's good and when the weather's bad, I don't serve the Lord. I serve the Lord because I am a servant of the living God. And you need to understand that one of the greatest honors, no, the greatest honor that God ever gave you was when he said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That was the greatest honor that God ever gave you. Who uses, who are you using your talent for? What talents you have, use them for God first. 
I've heard preachers say, this is my job. I, this is, I, I do this for a job. And I cringe. Because that's not my outlook on life. I do this because I serve the Lord. I've gone and preached and got nothing and paid my way there and paid my way back. And I did it without complaining because I serve the Lord. And God takes care of me. Don't, I'm not complaining one little bit. I'm just saying, hey, I am doing this not because uh, I uh, decided I would do this and, and I will also do other things and I will do this. No, no. I do this because my chief occupation in life is to serve the Lord. Are you with me? Put God first with your skills. Listen, God forbid that you should wake up in the morning with your hands drawn up to your chest. God forbid that you should wake up in the morning and not be able to get out of bed. If you have a chance to serve God, be thankful that you can put God first in your talents because when you do, you're putting an insurance policy on your ability to do those things. Now, we'll just praise the Lord while you think about that for a minute. Lord, I love you, Jesus. I praise you, God. You hear me and hear me good. The Bible doesn't say that God's going to say, well-being, you were a saved being, and well-being, come thou into the joys of life. Uh-uh. He's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful. What? Oh. So when those people were changing the light bulbs, they didn't know it. But God was saying, I'm pleased with that. And when Sister Tang came up today and took a chance and sang, and the soundtrack went crazy for a few minutes, and then it came back to life, and, and she did her wonderful song, God says, I gave her that talent. And no matter what it may be, some of you are so gifted in so many areas. Like, if I take an engine apart, when I put it back together, there's going to be some extra pieces. My wife won't even let me build anything. She'll say, you took 10 hours doing something that Brother Ferris could have done in 30 minutes. Everybody's got unique abilities. Whatever God has gifted you with, be thankful unto the Lord that God has given you that gift and do it as unto the Lord and do it with a cheerful spirit because God loveth a... I'm just trying to put him first. Praise God. You still with me today? I hope you're not getting weary. Stay with me just a little bit longer. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. I think that says what I've been saying. Don't forget the Lord. He's the one that gives you power to get wealth. Praise God. Let's go on a little bit more here. We'll leave that subject behind. We'll get to this one. How about worshiping God? 
You know what? I worship God because it's one of the ways I put God first. I sometimes wonder what God thinks when people come to the house of God and they sit there like some wooden carving and God has saved them, healed them, delivered them, kept them from death on numerous occasions. And they sit there and go, all right, preacher, I'm honoring you with my presence. I shall be here for one hour. When the hour is up, I'm going to go do more important stuff. I'm just going to sit here and hear you out, and I hope you're not too long because I got important stuff to do. And God says, what? I gave you everything you have. You had one hour you could come in and testify in front of a whole sanctuary of people how good I've been to you. You could have lifted your hands and said, thank God. Thank God. You, you could have lifted your voice and said, God, you've been so good to me. Thank you. And you could have named this and this and this. I still remember Sister Dorothy from many years ago who was poor and didn't have a prosthesis. If I remember correct, am I right? And she'd come to the house of God and, and God filled her with the Holy Ghost and she was baptized in Jesus' name and she only had one leg. And somehow, with the help of Brother Jafrida and different ones, he would make her way into the house of God. And, and when I'd say stand, she could have sat there and said, I only got one leg. Uh-uh. She'd reach ahead. This back when we had pews, thank God. Because she grabbed a hold of a chair, it'd probably go over with her. But we had the pews that were anchored to the floor. And she'd grab a hold of the pew and she'd pull herself up. And she'd be standing on one leg. And, and I'd start worshiping God. And I'd look out of the corner of my eye and there's Dorothy. What are some of us going to do when we stand before God? And there's Dorothy with one leg. And she was getting on in age. She's jumping up and down. I don't think she cared if it was zero out. I don't think it made any difference to her. I think she was glad when they said unto her, let's go to the house of the Lord. And she began worshiping God. Or Brother Ferris, do you remember when we went down to Louisiana many years ago? That guy that came out on the platform in a motorized wheelchair. And Brother Anthony Mangan said, this man teaches, do you remember? An incredible amount of home Bible studies. What? He worked the button on his motorized wheelchair with his chin because he was quadriplegic. He couldn't move his arms or his legs. But he would teach home Bible studies and somebody would help him get one of them flip charts up and he would put a pointer with some kind of a edge or end on it that would grab a hold of the paper and when it was time to flip the page he'd go and he flipped the page over, and then 
they had all the people he'd won to God walk out on the platform. I nearly fainted. It was like 10 or 15 people. They said, I want all the people that Brother John has won to the Lord, taught Bible studies to. I want them to come up on the platform. And about 10 or 15 people come walking up that this quadriplegic had taught home Bibles. What are we going to do when we stand before God and we say, well, I, I wasn't very uh, capable and, and you know, I had this and I had that. Listen, folks, it's time to put God first in our life. Worship God with everything that you have. Put God. Here's the challenge for 2022. Will you put God first in your life this year. Let's make this our theme for the whole year. God first. God first. If you will make God first, I prophesy to you the blessings of God are going to overtake you. That the blessings of God will overtake you and bless you. You've got to put God ahead of self. God ahead of family. God ahead of fortune. God ahead of finances. God ahead of talent. He is the first. I'm going to put God first. I've got folks that are listening right now that if you would put God first, you have been blessed, I will admit, but you're about to be blessed like you've never been blessed before, and God's just waiting for you to say, God first. Amen. Give me that old time conviction of putting God first. Amen. Oh God, let me put you first in everything in my life. And you know what? I just got this feeling that somebody's going to do it. I got a feeling there's some of you folks uh, that are going to say, God, I'm, I, I'm going to put you first. Uh, I, I'm just going to put you first in everything. You're going to be first in my life. And watch and see it within six months' time if your position has not been greatly enhanced and greatly blessed and highly favored when you put God first in your life. Come on. You've lived for God too many years to start letting other things become first. Keep God first until you draw your last breath. Let it be that He's your Alpha so He will meet you at your Omega. Now would you rise? Wow, here we are, Jesus. Here we are. The 2022 challenge, God first in every area of my life. Hallelujah. I am convinced, now you listen. That in our generation, your schedule is the most dangerous thing about you. And who has first place in your schedule? Is God going to live in the leftovers of your life? If you make him live there, he will be disrespected and he will say, you're treating me like a dog. But if you will put God first in time, talent, and treasure, prayer, devotion, God first, God first, God first. I know it's old-fashioned, as old as the Bible itself, but here we are. Is there anybody in this house that would say, Pastor, today you have reminded me, the Holy Ghost has reminded me, 
And today, I pledge to do my best to put God first in my life. I want God to be first. I'm so sorry, Lord, for the times I haven't put you first. God, when I put my own interest above yours, when I put my own desires above yours, when I put my own agenda ahead of yours, forgive me, Father, I now say in the name of Jesus, I will put you first. Oh, God, it's my desire. It's my goal. Hallelujah. I want to put you first in my life. God first. God first. God first. Is there anybody else that would like to join us this morning and say today, Lord, I purpose in my heart, God first. I'm placing that thing, that ideal, that philosophy of life in front of my eyes and I'm burning into my mind and into my heart. God first. First above my loves. First above my talents. First above my treasures. First above everything. God, you are first. Hallelujah. I give you praise. I give you glory. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am, Lord. Here I am today. Here I am today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. There's an old song we used to sing many years ago, and I still sing it today. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. I give all myself to you here I am 